All right. Well, good evening, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Man, you guys enjoy the Chick-fil-A? Man. Been so long, right? Uh, <laughs> all last month, we had, what, what did we have? We had ramen and cereal and pancakes. Yeah, we had cereal twice. So, man, I'm glad Chick-fil-A is back. And, uh, and so last month, we had a, a great month doing a, a fundraiser for Mission Hope. And uh, we're actually going to get to announce that total uh, tonight, which is exciting. Uh, and it actually was a, a good bit. It was actually more than I thought it would be. And so that's exciting. Uh, so we're glad you guys are here tonight. And, uh, and, and I know that tonight is special as always. I'm excited to be here as always. Tuesdays are like my favorite night of the week. Would you guys agree? Anybody out there? Like Tuesday, your favorite night? Well, welcome to Genesis. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt comfortable, that you felt invited, and I also hope that you came with an open heart because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so we are glad you are here. Uh, tonight, we are beginning a series called Trending Topics. And, and so throughout the month of April, we'll be discussing a different topic each week, um, uh, one that is a, a hot-button issue that uh, many young adults face and deal with. And this month will be fun because usually when we do a series, it's one overall idea, one overall theme that we keep pointing back to. But throughout this month, it'll, each week will essentially be its own freestanding topic. And so my goal is to discuss that topic through a cultural lens, through a uh, personal lens, and then, of course, also through a biblical lens. And so we are definitely not going to ease our way into this series because this week, to open things up, we're going to be talking about mental health, which is a topic that is incredibly important, one that is very sensitive, and one that often gets mistreated. And so my objective tonight is to first paint the problem and then offer you some spiritual guidance and also some practical guidance as well. And so if you would, pray with me, and then we will jump in to tonight. God, I thank you so much for uh, bringing us here tonight, God. We, we love you so much, and we're so grateful for you. And so, uh, God, I thank you for, for sending your son to die on the cross for us, God, that makes all of this possible. And so, God, we pray that tonight that you would speak, God, that your voice would be louder than my own, and that everything we say and do tonight would be for your glory. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all said together, amen. Awesome. So, during the, the life of Jesus, he was approached by some religious people, and they asked him, they said, what is the greatest commandment? They said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded, and he said, well, the greatest commandment is that you need to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And so for many people, the, the mind part of that is the hardest, because our minds can be a very scary place to be. It's because the mind is a very powerful thing, for better or for worse. And given the power of the mind, the significance of mental health is massive. Research shows that half of all chronic mental illness starts by age 14 and three-quarters of it by the age of 24. And the effects of mental illness, it, it results in higher chances of substance abuse and suicide. And so for people 18 years or older, so everybody in this room tonight, anybody 18 years or older, one in four suffer from a diagnosable mental illness. One in four suffer from a diagnosable mental illness. And so 25% of us in this room tonight legitimately deal with our mental health. And for the other 75% of it, either we don't deal with it at all if we're the lucky ones, or we deal with it on a surface level. To be upfront with you tonight, I find myself in the 75%. 
I deal with these things on a surface level, but never to a clinical degree. And so to be transparent with you, I did not feel qualified to get up here and talk about this tonight. It was uh, an idea that we had thrown around to, to talk about this subject, and I liked the idea of talking about this, and the more that I dove into it, the more that I realized that, man, I might be the wrong guy preaching this message tonight. And so I did my homework, and I, I have a, a friend who deals with mental health. I had him read this over and, and uh, send me his thoughts and to make sure that I wasn't out of line, because my, my fear is that I take a sensitive subject um, and, and not treat it correctly and offend somebody. And, and I know, you know, I don't believe that person would be in the majority, but you never know. And, you know, the way that I always approach speaking is that I don't mind offending you with what's in the Bible, but I never want to offend you with my opinion or my ignorance. And so that I hope that I don't do that tonight. So I'm going to do my best to uh, give you spiritual and practical guidance, and, and I believe that they will go hand in hand. And so the 25% of you who do deal with this on a clinical or to a clinical degree are thinking right now, hey, this is for me. And then maybe the 75% of you are thinking this isn't for me. But here's the thing. Like physical health, mental health is not something that you have or don't have. It's something that we all have. But the concern lies in the condition that that health is in. 100% of us have a status of mental health that we either want to improve or need to maintain. And so for those of you who, who have to wrestle with it, we need to talk about how to improve it. And for those of you who don't have to wrestle with it, we need to talk about how to maintain it. And first of all, I believe there is a, a stigma about mental health that, that people have that just isn't true. Struggling with mental health or, or being proactive in maintaining it, it doesn't mean that you're inept and it doesn't mean that you're inadequate. And if you have legitimate struggles with it, you know that someone saying, you're acting crazy or just don't worry about it isn't good enough. Some, some of us, you know, sometimes it's hard to compartmentalize things, and, and that's not a sign of weakness. It's an opportunity for progress. And unfortunately, this stigma has creeped into the church as well. Many people think that if you wrestle with mental health, that it must mean that you have weak faith in God, which is just not the case. It's easy to write it off because others can't see it and others can't notice it, which leaves those struggling with it to struggle alone. Second of all, mental health has found its place in culture as well. And with that comes its own set of problems. Over the years, this concept of mental health has been brought to the forefront. You know, obviously mental health is not a new concept, but it has been talked about now more than ever. Awareness of it has increased. The conversation has broadened. And many accredit that to the rise of social media. And, social, and it's interesting that much of the uh, awareness of the problem and much of the actual problem itself stems from the same place. Social media, while, while useful and, and fun in many ways, it has its downfalls. It, it's fostered a, a culture of comparison, of constant connection, of on-demand uh, contact with the world. And because of that, the, the foundation is shakier than ever when it comes to the stability of our peace of mind. And because of that, you know, social media, of course, did not create the problem of mental health, but what it did do is bring it closer to the surface, and it magnified it, it threw salt in the wound. And because of social media, mental health has become its own buzzword, its own trending topic. And because of that, the seriousness of it can become watered down. I talked to a friend not too long ago who struggles with anxiety, and he said that it bothers him when people, say, people who are just feeling uh, anxious say that they have anxiety. 
You know, he said there's a difference in having a disorder and having a feeling. And, you know, it's just that thought that if you really knew what anxiety did to people, if you really knew what it did to me, you wouldn't go around saying those things so flippantly. I had, uh, I had something happen once where a, a friend joked about killing themselves right in front of somebody who had just lost a good friend to suicide. You know, you, you hear people joke around by saying this or that. It, it gave me PTSD. But if you ever hear or talk to someone who actually has that, it's no joke. And so essentially you see two extremes. On one, people, on one side, people find great comfort in knowing that they are not alone in what they're facing and what they're dealing with. And then on the other side, they come across jokes and memes that make light of their condition. And so it's great that something is getting more attention and gaining awareness, but along with that comes great confusion and things just kind of get muddied up a lot. And that's why I want to talk about how to improve and maintain your mental health so that the 75% of you who deal with just the feelings of anxiety and depression, obsessive compulsion, et cetera, can find yourself in this message. And the 25% of you who medically or clinically deal with this can find yourself in this as well. And thankfully, the, the mind is something that God prioritized in Scripture. So as believers, we have something to work with. The Bible talks about our mind a lot. In Romans 12, 2, it says, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things above. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, take every thought captive. You could go on and on with different references in Scripture to the mind. And the reason the mind is so prominent in Scripture is because of the way that God designed us. Where the mind goes, the body follows. Actions, ideas, motivation, good or bad, it all begins with the mind. And so when the mind is against you, it can be very hard to get moving in your walk with God. Loving God with your mind is a battle in and of itself. And so if you would tonight, go ahead and turn to Psalm 139, if you have a Bible. Psalm 139. These uh, first six verses of Psalm 139 are going to carry us tonight. And they're written by, they're written by a guy named David who had his fair share of internal struggles throughout his life. And I know I mentioned uh, last week that the, the verses at the end of Romans 8 are some of my favorite in all of Scripture. Uh, this chapter is right up there with it, and uh, we're going to be reading just the first six verses of it tonight. And so it'll be right here for you. So we're going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll go back through. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So we're going to go through this verse by verse. And so in verse 1, David begins and he says, God, you've searched me and known me. In other words, he's saying, God, you know everything about me. He said, and I love that word, searched. I love the word searched because here's the thing. Police officers and the TSA, airport security, they can all search and find out what's inside your pockets. But God is the only one that can search and know what's inside your heart and your soul. And so he knows your deepest feelings. He knows your, your deepest struggles, your deepest insecurities. He, he, there's nothing going on inside of you that he doesn't know about. The, the anxiety, the depression, the restlessness, all of it, and he's not intimidated by it. You know, it's so easy to tell God, like, God, you, you just, you don't, you don't get it. You're not living in my shoes. You don't, you don't understand. 
But this verse tells us that that's not true. It's not news to God that, that you're wrestling with your mental health. And so in verse one, the good news when it comes to our mental health, first of all, is that God understands. God understands. Verse two, David continues and he says this. He says, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. I love this because if God is gonna know even when we're sitting down, even when we're standing up, then that means that he's always with us. He's with us when those feelings come against us. He's with us when we're in large crowds and, and our anxiety creeps up. He, he's with us when we don't have the strength to go out in public because of depression. He's with us when we can't think straight because our to-do list is too long. He's always with us. And David goes on to say that God discerns our thoughts. Think about this. What does it mean that God discerns our thoughts? It means that he makes sense of them. That he, that he sorts them out, he rationalizes them, he brings clarity to them. And I don't know about you, but sorting out the thoughts of my brain at times would be quite the task. If I can't make sense of my own brain, then who can? Only God can take the mess of our mind and discern the thoughts and organize the chaos and put the puzzle pieces together to really understand what's going on inside of us. He can see past the anxiety. He can see past the depression. He can see past the struggle and see what's really going on inside of you. And that's really important. And that's really significant because a lot of people, they can't do that. And so he does this constantly all the time. And we know that because it says he knows even when we sit down and when we rise up. So God is there in the moment. God is there in the moment. Verse three says, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, or you search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. Got a little ahead of myself there. So in other words, God is familiar with everything that we do. It says, you know, God is familiar with everything that we do, how we get nervous weeks or, or, or days before we take an exam, how we second guess every conversation or overthink every conversation that we have, how we tend to isolate ourselves because of insecurity, how we tend to escalate situations in our mind to the worst possible outcome. We have these ways about us, these tendencies that stem from the condition of our mental health, and God is familiar with all of them. He knows everything we do. And so verse 3 tells us that God sees us. Verse 4 says, even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it all together. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. He's saying, God, you know the words I'm going to say even before I say them. In other words, God, you're in the future. If I trust the God who, who knows the future, then the worry and concern that I have over what may come my way starts to settle. You know, our minds can be a melting pot of worry and what-if questions and possible outcomes. But if we trust God and we trust his plan and we trust his presence, then we can worry less about the doctor's appointment. We can worry less about the exam. We can worry less about the interview. In Philippians, it says, to make your requests known to God and peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and 
mind in Christ Jesus. Do those things that we're struggling with, do those things that we're worried about matter? Yeah, of course they do. Are those things serious? Yes. God is not saying, oh, just don't worry about it as a quick fix. He's saying, no, let me worry about it. Let, hand it over to me. Let me worry about it. Let me give you my peace in return. When I, I mentioned my friend earlier that, that, that read this over, and he had this to say about this part of the message, and I'm just going to read it to you verbatim because I can't say it any better than this. Listen to this. Most people live in a state where logic or truth can dig us out of a bad mood or wrong thinking. But most mental illness falls in the range of what I might call unrest that surpasses all understanding. So normal peace would not cut it. So you may find yourself in a place tonight where normal logic and normal truth uh, will not cut it. You may find yourself in a spot tonight where no other kind of logic or truth will do. That you need a kind of peace that only God can give. The only cure for an unrest that surpasses all understanding is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's what God has to offer you. And so not only is God with us in the moment, but in verse 4, we see that God is there in the future. God is there in the future. And in verse 5, the last verse we'll read tonight says this. It says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. Verse 5. I did that again. Not the last verse. Verse 5. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. This is a good one. I've almost forgot it. Verse 5, David continues to say this. And so to be hemmed in means to be surrounded or fenced in. In other words, he's saying, God, you're, you're guarding me. God, you're protecting me. You're all around me. And he mentions God's hand. And when God's hand is mentioned in the Bible, it's a, it symbolizes strength. And it symbolizes authority. And it symbolizes blessing. And so he's saying, God, you've got me surrounded, you've got me protected, you've got me guarded, and your hand of blessing is upon me, your hand of strength is upon me, and your hand of authority is upon me. And so when we find ourselves weakened by the, the battles in our mind, we can know that our strength and that blessing, it doesn't come from us anyway, it comes from God. And he's got us right where he wants us. He's protecting us, guarding us, and defending us. In verse 5, we see that God cares for us. We'll skip this verse, process of elimination. Last verse that we'll read tonight, David says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Here's a big truth for you tonight. When we can't trust our mind, we can trust God's. When we can't trust our mind, we can trust God's. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways and when it comes to mental health, we have to come to grips with the fact that we are limited. Life demands from us so many things, and many of those things in and of ourselves, we're not. It's a lot of pressure to be the, the son or daughter that you're supposed to be. It's a lot of pressure to be the student that you're supposed to be. It's a lot of pressure to be the employee that you're supposed to be, to be the, to be the persona that culture wants you to be. But thank God through his power that he provides us with everything we are not. Because of him, we can overcome the battle of our mind and, and be who he's called us to be and be who he's created us to be. His power is made perfect in our weakness. We might be limited, but he's not. We might be weak, but he's not. We might be a mess at times, but he's not. He understands us. He's there in the moment. He sees us. He's in the future. 
God cares for us. God is everything we are not. He understands us. He's there in the moment. He sees us. He's there in the future. He cares for us. And he is everything we are not. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And so let me tell you tonight, it is okay to not be okay. Being humble enough to admit that you need help is the very essence of salvation. Being able to say, listen, I, 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 I can't fight this battle on my own. I need the power of God in my life. I need the power of the cross in my life. I need Jesus. It is okay to not be okay because his power is made perfect in our weakness. I want to tell you tonight, the blood of Jesus, it covers our mind as much as it does everything else. The gospel offers us mental restoration, mental redemption. The mind might be a powerful thing, but it is not more powerful than God. One is going to fail you. The other will not. And so I want to put all of my stock in, not in my mind, not in my flesh, not in where I am weak. I want to put all of my stock into God, who, know, who I know will not fail me, who I know will not fall short, and is everything that I'm not. Before we move forward tonight, I want to offer some, uh, some quick practical advice as well. These are, these are three things that have helped me um, deal with my 75% of the equation. The first is to make time for rest. Make time for rest. You know, one of the coolest things Jesus said in, in Scripture was that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so in other words, you know, the Sabbath is not an Old Testament, uh, just an Old Testament concept. It's not an archaic idea. It's a principle of, of rest that God put into place. And so when it comes to rest, uh, it's not necessarily sleep, even though sleep is great. You know, I've said before that sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. And all the people said amen, right? But rest can look different for everyone. Honoring the Sabbath in your own life is essentially finding something that you enjoy and doing it, making time for it. That could be going outdoors, listening to music, watching sports, hanging out with friends. It's whatever recharges your batteries, whatever sparks joy. The second thing is to have something to look forward to. That could be a small thing or a big thing. That could be a favorite meal. It could be a TV show. It could be video games, a day off, etc. Good example for me, we just got off this 12-week diet challenge with the staff at the church, and my weekly cheat meal was something that I looked forward to. It sparked joy in my life. And that's important because, because when life gets tough during the week and, and you find yourself in the mess and you find yourself in the struggle, you have something to look forward to that helps you get through the mess. And the third and final thing is to be in community with people. Because living in isolation is poison. And so I would encourage you to, to join a, a small group, to get partnered with a mentor, or at the very least, at the very minimum, prioritize church attendance in your life. Because being, being around like-minded people who want to encourage you will do wonders for your mental health. So you can go ahead and stand with me. Tonight we are going to end on a celebration 
because God provides us with everything that we're not, that because of him, we can overcome the battle in our mind to be who he's created us to be, to be who he's called us to be, that though we might be limited, that though we might be weak, though we might be a mess, he's not. That God understands, God is there in the moment, he sees us, he's there in the future, he cares for us, and he is everything we're not. His power is made perfect in our weakness. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for uh, this truth, God, from Psalm 139, that you've searched and known us. You know when we sit down, when we rise up. You search out our path. You know all our ways. You know all our words. You hem us in, and your knowledge is much too wonderful for us to understand. So, God, we thank you that you are a God that can handle our minds. And we thank you, God, that though the mind may be a powerful thing, you, it is not more powerful than you. And so, God, right now, I pray that, uh, that your blood, that your grace would cover everyone's, uh, everyone's mind right now, God, everyone's brain, everyone's uh, struggles with these things, whether they are in the 25%, whether they are in the 75%, whatever it may be, God, you know the exact situation, you know all the details, and you know them inside and out. And so, God, I pray right now that your rest would fall upon us all, that we would celebrate the fact that though we are weak, you are not, and that your power is made perfect in our weakness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Also, I forgot to mention, if you find yourself in that 25% and you find yourself drowning tonight, there's a reason we put these cards on your chair. You can take them, you don't have to, so you don't have to make a show out of it. And, uh, and if you find yourself where you need help now, call that number. And if you find yourself just needing to be pointed in the right direction, email us. We love you.